Uh, and I don't know, any other questions you got in mind? Do I have any questions? Um, what'd you have for breakfast? I haven't eaten yet. Oh no, you better eat immediately after we're done with this, sir. I just got up out of bed. Like that, that was the plan anyway. I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta go down to the card shop to pick up an order, and then, and then, yeah, up to, I'm for sure eating after this. Okay. Uh, no, no other questions. Let's get it on. everyone welcome to another episode of the uncommon commander podcast where myself and other guests come on to talk about our favorite uncommon legendary creatures to run as our commanders this time we're once again slightly breaking the rules uh because we have an un- we're having a set of partners one that is an uncommon and one that's a mythic but that's totally okay because it's uh, my podcast and i make the rules um <laughs> today uh i have will joining uh will how about you introduce yourself uh hi everyone i'm will I'm a game designer and writer, uh, and I like to talk about Magic the Gathering on Twitter sometimes. Uh, you can follow me uh, for Magic stuff at Forest Soul Ring Go. You can follow me at Rolling Will Save if you care about the game design stuff that I want to talk about. Hey, that's super sweet. Um, so today, uh, you you wanted to approach me with this kind of sweet deck that that is very different from your typical Sultai list. Um, because the partners to start are Armix Filigree Thrasher, which is the mono-black artifact creature golem. Um, two and a black for a 3-2. Whenever Armix Filigree Thrasher attacks, you may discard a card. When you do target creature defending player controls, it gets negative X, negative X until end of turn, where X is the number of artifacts you control, plus the number of artifact cards in your graveyard. And then you have Kaidal Chosen of Kurfix, uh, which is the mythic, so no one, no one get, no one... Bring the pitchforks just yet. Um, two, green, blue for a two, three human wizard. Tap, add colorless for each card you've drawn this turn. But yeah, take it away. Um, yeah, so once again, I, I love this deck. I've told you this already, Cole. I love this deck. I have two versions of this deck. One is three color and one is five color. Uh, but the three color version that we're talking about in, in the first one that I, I properly built um it got incepted uh upon me when i saw a quote or a tweet from joey schultz on twitter that was talking about hey guys i think there might be room to build this deck with these cards that we have and it was uh the tweet had uh academy manufacturer uh Eloise, lonus and yilm uh all on them so it's clue food treasure tribal or i i call this trinket tribal um and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with it instantly, and I immediately started working on brewing a deck. Um, and at first, uh, as I usually do, I thought, all right, what commander should go at the top of this deck? And I settled on Silas Wren, because Silas likes artifacts. That seems like it's common sense. And Kodama, because of course, Kodama's just good. And then I started making the deck. I looked up all of the treasure cards in those colors, all of the clue cards, all of the food cards, and then I parsed them down to 100 cards that needed a little bit more tweaking to decide on which ones. And I realized, oh no, Silas Wren cares about artifacts. I'm not running very many actual artifact cards, just a lot of cards that produce artifact tokens. 
Silas Ren is bad in this deck. In this specific and, instance, contrary to popular belief, yes, Silas Ren can be bad when you don't have artifacts. <laughs> so I decided, well, I guess I guess I'm going to need to choose a new commander. So I went back and I looked at the Sultai list of commanders again. I'm like, ah, Yarok, that's too much good stuff. Moltrotha, that's too much good stuff. Yorn, maybe, but like I'm only going to be running snow-covered basics if I use Yorn, toss him aside. Uh, I almost, almost put... Uh, Itch Tekkit, Itch Tekkit as the green commander and said, oh. that's fine. We'll just oh my run god. <laughs> we'll run Itch Tekkit and uh, Silas Ren together and just Silas Ren doesn't matter. But then I saw Armix, who is an artifact and cares about artifacts. And I thought, all right, that's cool. We could do Armix. And I don't want to use Thrasios because that's not the deck I want to build. So we'll use Kaidel. Um, Armix likes it that I just vomit tiny artifacts onto the battlefield. And Kaidel gets a benefit off of when I pop my clues uh, occasionally, I get some extra mana to pop more of my clues or my food. Uh, but I'll be honest, I almost never cast Armix or Kaidel unless I have literally nothing else to do. Because this deck was built without caring about who the commanders are. To the point where I've got a little bit of a mini Legendaries Matter theme in the deck... Because I've got, I decided Moldrotha's just a good card. Yarok's just a good card. Yorn's just a good card. I even put Kesset Flesh Sculptor in the deck Heck, so that uh, I could swap him. Maz- Maseret Crawl Death Priest is a really good card in this. That is a really good card in this, yeah. Uh, so I've got, I could run Kesset and uh, Kaidel if I wanted as the commander. I could run the Sultai, uh, the just one Sultai Legends in the deck as the commander, and they would do fine um, because the deck doesn't care who the commander is because the deck works within itself it cares the 99 cards were built to synergize or i guess 98 cards in this case were built to synergize around themselves regardless of who the commander is and i think that's a very i mean i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because this is not deck tech but i think that's a lost art is not enough people build with the deck in mind first and then give a commander to it but I'm getting I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So what does the deck do besides just make a bunch of artifacts? What do I do with the artifacts? Uh, Shimmer Dragon is one of the best cards in the uh, in the entire deck because if I've if I've got ten treasure on the battlefield, I don't need to spend them on mana. I could just draw five cards every turn with Shimmer Dragon, which is super uh, super sweet tech and like a great outsource if you're like. <coughs> oh, excuse me! Oh my god. <coughs> Excuse anyone's ears who might have heard that. Um, <laughs> like, unutilized artifacts, like you said, especially for, like, food tokens or clues that, like, don't really need to be popping off right now. You have an outlet of at least, you know, drawn cards. That's something mm-hmm. every deck likes to do, and Shimmer Dragon is just a super sweet addition. Along with, like, Old Knobbone in the deck as the other dragon. Mm-hmm. Is Old Knobbone in this list? It should be. It's, it currently is. Old Knobbone is in the most recent version of the deck list, but I don't think it's here on this link. Uh, I'm looking at it yes. right now. but but Oh, yeah, you're looking at it right now? Why am I not seeing Oh, because I'm not looking at the treasure. Oh, that's why. Old Knobbone's right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no. So the um, the deck has a lot of... Like Mazarek, you mentioned Mazarek. Mazarek makes my artifacts... So I don't have... I have a decent number of creatures in the deck, um, but not a lot of it, like ways to buff them up. Mazarek just says, all right, you've got all these value-producing creatures, now you have an army. Uh, Rise and Shine says, you've got all these value-producing tokens, now you have an army. 
that's usually how I win my games with this deck is casting Rise and Shine and swinging for four times 40, like 160 damage on the table. Wait, am I blind? Where is this card? Uh, it's in the animation if you're looking oh, at the, the way custom. at the bottom. Yeah, Rise and Shine, two mana, sorcery, it's blue. Target non-creature artifact you control becomes a zero-zero artifact creature, but that doesn't exactly matter. Well, I mean, the plus four counters on it for each artifact, on each artifact that becomes a creature this way, with an overload of four and double blue, which means your army of various trinkets becomes deathly like a mob of what's the what am I thinking of? Um, I know it's just like animated forks and <laughs> and a turkey. And um, uh, a murder, a murder weapon. Closet. You know, it's it's just the various. Yeah. The, okay. 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 T t little tangent here. What I love about decks like this, um, and and some discussions that I've had with some previous guests too, is is um, in the theater of the mind because you know the basic foundation of magic is is wizards dueling each other in this epic magic duel, and you just decided you know all these little bits and bobs that you that you've accumulated um can be animated into like horrible flying death machines <laughs> and i just love the mentality of that it is so much fun um a few other ways the deck wins uh tesseret master of the bridge coming down when you have 20 artifacts is usually a pretty good way to seal a game um let's see here with that with that plus two ability he does x damage to each opponent where x is the number of artifacts you control and then you gain x life like, I don't use his other two abilities, because he just, they're Artifact Matters abilities. Yeah, Tezzer, no, it's Tezzer, just a six-mana drain. The, the, and me. the other thing, too, is that Tezzer come come down way later after the fact with pretty much no warning, and then you just hit the plus two and just pop everyone for a buttload of damage. And I usually, if I see a Tezzer too early, I get everyone zeroes in on it, so you definitely want to wait for the set-off for the payoff. Yeah, Tezzeret's just a card that's like, all right, I'm ready to win the game. Damn you, Tezzeret, uh, damn you. Mechanized production is one that generates a lot of fun situations, because I only ever cast it if I've got the seven artifacts and need the eighth. Uh, so cast it, now my treasure is enchanted, beginning of my upkeep, I'm going to make another treasure, do something about it. And uh, just watching the table scramble for the three turns is like, oh my goodness, do you have an answer? Do you have an answer? Can you draw cards? <laughs> Can you give me card draw? Can't, yes, uh, let's help each other out. Let's make them crack that treasure that's equipped just out of fear. Just be yes. Uh. Um, uh, and then, so something, so I'm running Negate and Stoic Rebubble, Rebubble, but besides that, I've also got Spell Swindle and Let's see here. Confirm suspicions in the deck. And I just want to I want to get up on a tiny pedestal real quick, a little a little soapbox and say play four and five and six mana counter spells. Yes. Play them. I'm in that play mentality. Um, They're good. My favorite one that only has come up on a handful of times, even in like my my original play group um, was Counterlash from, I think, uh, Dark Dark Ascension. Um it's a six mana counter spell. It's double blue and four where you target uh, you target a spell and then you put a permanent card of that shares that type into play, I think. I think that's the phrasing. And it's just like, um, screw your thing. I'm now going to put out a thing 
I'm going to put out a big creature for free or whatever, right? But, like, mm-hmm. I absolutely love counter spells like that. I'm a big fan of Spell Swindle, and um, I'm trying to think of another five-mana one uh, where you get to take control of, like, I think a creature or artifact if you counter that spell, that like, that kind of spell. Um, can't think of it off the top of my head. But, yeah, Spell Swindle, like, and uh, Mystic Confluence, I think, are, like, mm-hmm. some of the best five-mana, like, counter spells and like don't even get me into sublime epiphany i absolutely love oh, that card such a good card selimgar's command is my favorite i just like selimgar's really selimgar's yeah. command okay selimgar's command is my favorite i i always like <clears throat> oh my god what is with me today I need more water um selimgar's command okay let me bring that up because i have not looked at that one in a very long time, because I always thought the modes were a little iffy. Like, I know the negative three until end of turn can definitely kill things, but the problem is, is that, like, destroy target planeswalker. Okay, well, hold on a second here. Ba- return target permanent to its owner's hand. I definitely, that this feels like a Coach J-Row card. <laughs> so, uh, I guess maybe we'll bump that up a little bit. Maybe I should grab that. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah. Spell Swindle and other sort of, like, counter spells of its ilk in that kind of mana slot like i know we're here for efficiency and everyone loves it but i got to admit it is pretty fun when you get to pop off a spell swindle and someone's like super big spell and you're like i now have all the treasures it's always a good feeling it's funny that you mention efficiency because i built this deck intentionally to be less efficient than it could have been and so, here we are so some of the some of the cards in this deck i'm running spectral deluge uh, and no Cyclonic Rift, because I didn't want to run Cyclonic Rift. It's an intentional... So these are all just like intentional... Uh, I wanted the deck to be less efficient. That's all it was, really. I wanted the deck to be less efficient. I wanted to put a cap on what its power was. So I decided I'm not going to run some of the more powerful options that I could have. I'm running Instrument of the Bards instead of Yisan, because I think it's cool, and because it fetches out my legendary creatures. It's slow. It's, it's also bad. an artifact. It is an artifact, which matters a little bit. Um, but let's see here. I'm also running... I have, I think, one or two tutors in the deck. That's right. I have Time of Need, which can only get my legendary creatures, so it's more of a toolbox. And I have Grim Tutor, because Grim Tutor costs three mana and has a life downside. So it's not nearly as good as Demonic Tutor. Um but it's also not as high costed as Diabolic Tutor. Correct. So just a just a little bit of little bit of points where I intentionally shot myself in the foot as far as efficiency goes because I just didn't want to participate in the power creep. You know, we we commander players we complain about power creep all the time. Yeah, uh, on social media, like, but nobody ever does anything about it. It's like, oh, this game is getting too fast, and everybody's uh, running mana crypt see, and soul ring. See, like, and don't get me wrong, right? Like, I'm someone who's kind of fallen for the quote unquote like power creep for years. I've been playing since 2011 with my buddies, and with even, when you get within a group, especially with like five or six people that like getting together, playing consistently, like every week or every two weeks. You start kind of getting used to one person pushing the bar a bit and then everyone else tries to rise up in their own way to like match it. Um, but then now we're kind of in the spell table era where you don't really know who you're going to be sitting down with. And the only word that you can really take is theirs when they try and say like, hey, like some people are like, let's just play a game and who cares what happens. And then and then we'll adjust accordingly while we're in the game or afterward. Um 
But now the discussion of what does this deck do? What is it capable of? What's the kind of speed that you're at? The, you know, that talk needs to continue to happen and and be more nuanced than just my deck is a seven, right? Like, I look at this yeah. deck. I look at this deck of yours, right? I see a lot of, like, high-cost spells, a lot of heavy hitters, and, like, a really neat little focus of a mechanic of, like, trying to generate as many of these trinkets essentially like trinket tokens across the board and it's just like a pretty typical like commander deck to me i see no major like issues with it it seems to have a curve you're playing the best colors of magic period like especially together um you're obviously like have a theme which might kind of hold it back a bit which slows it down which is also fine because when you pop off you're gonna fucking pop off you know my so goodness. i was on zynam's stream last night with my five color i nailed a turn two tireless provisioner into a turn three uh academy manufacturer into a turn five gnawbone i was going on going i was going I got shot down because I was the arch, en- arch enemy, but I almost pulled it off. <laughs> That's actually pretty sweet. That's a, it's a, you know what? And then like, although it, it, it's sort of humbling to be put into check, but you also know that you were in the ruining position. And like, I'm one person who's like, Oh no, why are you attacking me? It's like, you know, I know very well why you're attacking me and putting me in my yeah, place. I love being the arch enemy. Uh, I love getting dethroned from being the arch enemy. Cause it's fun to watch the table come together to figure out a way to, to stop me. It's one of the beauties of Commander in general is that the table is the checks and balances that a 1v1 environment can offer. If you're mm-hmm. behind in 1v1, you need a Hail Mary or a sick top deck to come back from it. But otherwise, you got, you know, if you know you're on the back burner, but your two other buddies are kind of in the same position, like, you know, you all can get banned together, defeat the big bad, and you know, the game continues. So let's see, is there anything else about this deck that I want to specifically mention? Um, uh, Karn's Temporal Sundering is the only extra turn spell, and it's limited by my Legendary Matters theme. Uh, Which you can Falco- hit. Like, yeah, I can hit. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of legends in the deck. So, But it's nice because it's just one, and I can't loop it. So that was my limitation. I'm like, all right, I'll, just, I'll choose one. It has two limitations on it. I can't loop it, and... Uh, I can only do it under certain circumstances, which is fine. Sometimes, sometimes it's fun to mechanize production and then Karn's temporal sundering. <laughs> yeah, if you got the mana and you got like like ten mana, which is not really impossible. I mean, your ramp is mm-hmm. a little. It's a, I mean, listen, you dedicate to the treasure angle, which like I respect that in a green in a green decks, but uh-huh. um. You know, yes. yeah, so, get into getting to pop off like that and being like, you know what, I'm in a good position and we're like 10-ish turns and maybe I can just go pop off for the win. Uh-huh. I have found in these types of decks, because uh, I, I have built two of them at this point, that as long as you have enough treasure generation, you don't really need to devote a lot to ramping, and not a lot of card slots to ramping, because my creatures come in and give me some ramp and it's only temporary ramp, but that's okay. Cause my temporary ramp is going to push me into more temporary ramp. So it re- is it really temporary? Um, was this a Schrodinger's mana? <laughs> <laughs> the treasure is both cracked and not <clears throat> cracked, but also, okay. But <clears throat> you know, we're talking about the deck itself. And like you said, the deck's pretty self-reliant. It doesn't really need the, the, the commanders, but where do sort of the commanders come in and really take advantage of all of it? Uh, Armix comes down if 
if somebody got a faster start than me, that's for sure. So if somebody if somebody drops a turn five Malbone, <laughs> then I'll throw out Armix. And if uh, he doesn't get removed, then I will go ahead and pop Armix at that person, and I'll I'll one for one them. I'll discard the card. I'll uh, I'll take out the Nawbone for the table. Um, Kaidel comes out. Gosh, both Armix and Kaidel can come into this situ- uh, come into this category. Uh, but Armix, Armix is as dedicated removal in the command zone, you know? So if there's really a situation where I need that removal spell, then I can just cast Armix. Kaidel is just a little bit of ramp in a deck that I don't need to ramp in. Um, Kaidel comes down when I have four mana and nothing else to play. And, and then it is also I, I, there to help give you that blue, the blue green. Oh yeah. No, that's right? a good that's a good point. So actually I am running Crufix in the deck. So if I have Crufix and I need to turn him into a creature, then I will cast Kaidel. That's a good point. Also flavor. The bank the bank of Crufix is very powerful in this deck. <laughs> it's always powerful. Heck, yes. I, and <clears throat> oh god. <clears throat> this is great. The episode that I'm coughing all the time. Um also with um I mean, I don't know why you'd run it Horizon Stone, but like also another bank of Crufix. <laughs> uh Yorn does a little bit of ramping for me. Um I never cast Cold Ring uh because again, I don't really I don't really have a lot of snow permanents that end up in the graveyard. Um I'm not running any fetch lands in this deck, I don't think, cuz the deck doesn't really need it. No, your land base and again, I do very rarely talk about land bases outside of particular kinds of cards, but like you run all th- you run two of the dual like the frost dual lands and then you run the rest are basically just basic snow lands and then you have uh an inventor's fair to tutor you have throne of the high city because who doesn't like becoming the monarch and you got urborg and yavimaya for some reason just for fixing yavimaya oh, okay. and urborg are just for color fixing well then there there you go simple simple land base no uh mm-hmm. nothing much to say about that there's no, there's no tricks here. No. And I'll tell you what, I almost never crack Inventor's Fair. It's just to get the Metalcraft life gain sometimes. You know what? That one life a turn actually sometimes matters. It matters sometimes. It matters a lot. Especially if you... So there are certain games where I've got my Inventor's Fair out. I've got my Shimmer Dragon out. I can just sit back, draw some cards, gain some life, and let the other players play the game. Yeah. I mean, um, nobody wants to let me just sit there and use my Shimmer Dragon, but sometimes you can't stop the Shimmer Dragon. Gotta love the Hexproof, even if it's gotta like love a the conditional hexproof. one. Um, but okay, we can I, go. We could probably go more elaborate in some of the specifics later in the episode, but I, I, I thought we wanted to go into the topic that, that you approached me with. Mm-hmm. Um, the two of them, but I guess technically the three of them now, since you brought it up at the beginning of the episode here. Um <clears throat> one was making the deck first without considering the the commander which i thought was really interesting two uh partner commanders in general especially the uncommon ones that i think that are always worth talking about and three having a self-reliant deck that doesn't need your commander to be in play in order to work which you said was sort of a bit of a lost art and i feel like every once in a while you you kind of right especially as like someone like myself who likes including commanders. I love commanders. I think they're like a really cool concept. It's why I play the, the format. Um, mm-hmm. But 
with the recent designs, and especially with the Uncommon Commanders that I've been focusing on for this entire podcast, is that sometimes that they're almost necessary because they kind of are the focal point because of how relatively like low power they are. So if you mm-hmm. lose, you lose some of those aspects, and suddenly your deck's not really working out as well as you want, and then it's hard to find equivalent alternatives in the deck, which which gets mm-hmm. a little rough. Uh, prime examples for myself right off the top of my head for at least that category is Carter Doom Scourge, um, which, I mean, it's hard to kind of replicate goad outside of um, uh, two dis- options. Disrupt Decorum and Carter himself, so you're kind of like too self-reliant on it. Um, I'm thinking of Colleen Reclusive Painter, which I absolutely love that card because it's not very mm-hmm. often you see black, red, plus one counters and treasure synergy. But you remove Colleen, and it's very hard to, like, find other ways of getting plus one counters on your creatures. And mm-hmm. I probably, I, I also guess Quintorious Field Historian, because I want to try and have graveyard, cool graveyard loops of, like, getting stuff in the graveyard and them taking the back out, whether back in my hand or putting them into play and then making spirits. Those mm-hmm. are sort of the top, kind of, like, three off the top of my head where I'm, like, way too reliant on them. Um, and there's like a bunch more that, like that I can think of. Um, but okay, in order, building a deck first instead of considering the commander first. I think that the the decks that I have built where I constructed the deck around an idea and then assigned a commander are the most fun decks that I have. Um, I constantly go back to them. I have two in particular. I, well, I guess three now. I've got my two Trinket Tribal decks, and I've got my Nicobolas Proliferation deck, but I wanted to build a Proliferate deck. And then I thought, okay, well, this is Grixis because Grixis are the best Proliferate colors. What are some Grixis commanders I can use? Nicobolas turns into a Planeswalker. That seems good. That seems all right. Uh, that seems all right. Um, and then my my two, my, my five-color Trinket deck is like, well, I know it's going to be a limitation on what are the five-color commanders, but we'll figure that out later. Let's figure out what the deck list is. Because that worked out pretty well for the Sultai one. Um, then I did. I went and looked at the commanders, and I realized, to amusement, that Golos is actually the mechanically best fit for the deck. So obviously, ah, Golos is so good. But Golos is also banned. I don't care. Golos is the primary commander of the deck, and I have Ramos on standby in case the table is uh, uncomfortable with Golos being at the table, which is fine for me. Which I, mean, I don't mind. The more I've talked about it, I talked about this with Chris Von Doom uh, a few weeks ago, a week ago or so. Um, you know, at first when Golos got banned, I was kind of on the same train. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm tired of seeing Golos. I've seen it played too many times, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was just caught up in the hype. Um, but then afterward, I kind of realized that a lot of people, like, had to try and pivot and do strictly worse versions of already pretty niche builds. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, all right, yeah, you and I have been, I feel bad, but. So Golos, Golos actually does a few specific things for the deck other than just being good. So I'm not running Field of the, the Dead or a Flicker package because, you know, I'm not a degenerate that badly. Uh, Golos smooths out the colors for a five color deck. You know, that's just nice. Uh, his land coming in triggers the couple of landfall cards that are in the deck, and his exile effect has the bonus that it synergizes with Prosper Tomebound, which is just so which cool. Which is always cool. Prosper is super fucking sweet. Yeah. Um, I, I hear 
and I read a lot of, and you know, Twitter, Twitter is just loud, you know, yes. so Twitter, Twitter is not necessarily a majority, but I have often read about the complaint of people who play decks. I have encountered these people in games where they play their super scary commander that turns on their deck, their, their uh, Kulain, their Corvold, and then you shoot the Corvold and their deck turns off. And they get mad because everybody wants, I just want my deck to do the thing. Yeah, but doing the thing is going to bury the rest of the table. Uh, it's going to shoot you into the stratosphere because your commander is so good. And I get it that you wanted to build around this cool commander that is powerful. But if your deck synergized with itself without your commander, you wouldn't, you'd still be able to do the thing. And I think that's the core thing that I worry about is that people sometimes focus too much on their commander. And when you don't have your commander on the board and your deck does nothing and you don't get to do the thing, you get angry, you get salty, you don't have fun because your deck was built to do the thing under this condition. So that's just a deck building piece of advice, I guess, right? And that's yeah. not like new, new, new deck building advice is build your deck so that it synergizes with itself and it can work without its commander. I feel like that should be common sense. And yet the narrative that I read about suggests otherwise. Yeah, I think one of the big things I know I'm going to use Boros as an example. Um, as I talked with Jake Fitzsimmons about um, his his uh, his super sweet Boros CDH deck and then also kind of talking about some of the other legends that have been printed within the last year um, or two years, I guess. Uh, I'm thinking of um, shoot, who was the one from Zendikar? Um, Akiri, uh, Akiri. Yes. So I think about Akiri, and I also think about Winota in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit like once focused on equipment and being able to draw cards if your equip creatures attack every player because you want to maximize the amount of card draw that you're getting. But it it involves having her as sort of the the centerpiece, and you take out a Winota, and that deck basically just falls apart afterward. Uh-huh. And it's just that mentality of you do have these like really super sweet legendary creatures that have been printed in the last two years that enable a lot of really strong strategies. But the trade-off is that it's hard to replicate what they do and therefore they fall apart the minute you take that piece out. And like mm -hmm. it's the cog in the machine that's undeniable. It's only unique to Commander, really. And I mean, I guess the only other thing that could like compare is companion but even when a companion dies you know it's technically part it's technically part of your graveyard, Sideboard? right oh no it goes to your graveyard yeah i think it does right i don't yeah, like companions you, i'm pretty sure that you it, it does go to your graveyard so so even then like you still at least have some measure of accessibility to your companion like and that's sort of the only secondary thing you know i would compare to a commander right but yeah some commanders are so specific in their or unique in their abilities that like and especially maybe in some color color combinations that um, it's hard to find uh, even half of what it does. And if you can find mm -hmm. half of what it does, sometimes you're OK, but you still need to find that card. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain about the feather deck if they're if they're sad that their deck shut off because I shot their feather, you know. Feather's just a pile of cantrips. If you don't have Feather, <laughs> then you don't have a lot else going on, necessarily. I mean, and and granted, if you are playing Feather, you're probably playing, what is it, Shimmerwing Dragon? 
mm-hmm. and Zada. So you at least have like some other avenues that you can explore that isn't just strictly reliant on feather. But in but yeah, in that case, you at least have two other alternatives, and you're playing cantrips, so you're probably going to draw into them. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think the main the main thought that I, I have is I just don't like I don't like listening to people complain about bad deck building decisions. There are some people who are exempt from it, you know? Yeah, we we've mentioned a few commanders. There are the commanders out there that the deck needs the commander because you built around this really niche thing. But if you're not building a commander around a really niche thing and your deck still relies on your commander, I mean back in uh Sheldon's day, I guess. The commanders were the old elder dragons. Yeah, that true. was it. Palladius Moor is not a build around. No, <laughs> they it's still not... made it. They still made it work. I mean, my buddy, I had a buddy of mine made a Palladium Moors even. I think even after the other Palladium Moors was like out. Which I mean, granted, it's still technically one of the worst elder dragons that were like remade oh, for yeah. the modern era. But like, it's still an option, right? But my buddy had the original. I think he also had an original Vivictus. Um, but the, the goal, the goal was the same of trying to emulate the old style of playing commander, um, Mm -hmm. where, yeah, back, back before the boon, the era Mm -hmm. that we're in right now, where commanders are coming out and lit, like the commander of your dreams is coming out in the next set or whatever, like it, there, what you had was what you had, whatever was good was really good. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, your your Urals, your Animars, um, Kali of the Vast, which Kali of the Vast, I guess, is another example of a deck that you take Kalia out, the deck just falls apart. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, <laughs> what you had was what you had. Now we have so many options, everyone's got every flavor of commander that you can think of, and even some people are starting to dig into the uncommon legends more and more and especially partners because they realize that there's some fun stuff that can be done that not every big sort of blockbuster mythic that's coming out for the set is like you know the bee's knees you know Mm -hmm. speaking of uncommon commanders maybe a little bit of a segue uh into into that topic i got to play against a rogrock and prismatic piper mono black deck this week Okay, go on. Ah, <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was just so it was it was chunk. It was the the deck was just mono black block, right? It was all of the good mono black cards that the player enjoyed using. And instead of playing any of the normal mono black commanders, they just threw a Rogrock and a Prismatic Piper at the top. And it was so neat to watch. Okay. Um for those not in the know because some people are still surprised about Prismatic Piper. Everyone knows Rogrock. That's a zero cost. He's red because he has a red symbol on him um, with a bunch of keywords. That's that's not the important part. Prismatic Piper, uh, who I believe Seb McKinnon made the arbor. Yes, uh, I believe that is Seb. Prismatic Piper is literally a five mana three three that says choose a color. Prismatic Piper is counted as that color for your color for like your deck's color identity and uh literally does nothing else and that is fucking hilarious watch the prismatic piper pick up a loxid on warhammer 
Okay, my life. never mind. Uh, there's something it can do, and it's called Beat Face. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a draft common. It's it's for drafting commander legends because you could have commanders in those draft environments. That's all it's for is to give you another color in a draft environment. And and the fact like this is the other thing too. Was it foil? Please tell me it was foil. I don't remember if it was foil. Uh, I hope it was. Because like first of all, I know a lot of like uh, one of the things about Magic that I love and adore is its artwork. But I also understand that sometimes super sick artwork is made for cards and then they kind of like are put on some garbage common that no one will ever play. And so you kind of like you miss out on the spectacle. But Magic is filled with a lot of amazing artwork and Seb McKinnon doing Prismatic Piper is like it's a stunning piece of artwork of seeing this kind of like I don't know how big he is probably. I feel like he's this tiny little dude. Um but he's not because he's a three-three, so he's kind of like stronger than a bear. Um, uh, I don't know. Eleven could still beat him in a fist fight. True. Just make a lot of sense. Uh, um, magic sometimes doesn't make any sense. It's, hard. it's it's just don't think about it too hard. But essentially, essentially, what it comes down to is prismatic piper being used as a commander to enable black and then weaponize it in some way i think is super fun it's totally in the spirit of commander and if anyone like has a problem with that well for one you can stop listening to the podcast and second of all i never want to play magic with you ever if if you can at least like laugh at the spectacle Hmm. but yeah mono black mono black rograk prismatic piper that is hilarious Mm -hmm. um But okay, uncommon legendary creatures from uncommon legends in particular because they have partner. Um, there are six of each mono color, um, all of which and one two of which. Or did we mention Crescent? I don't remember. I think we mentioned Crescent in the episode. But Armix, Keskit. Yeah, I keep saying Cress, but it's I think it's, isn't it just Keset? It's Keskit. It's Keskit. I think I don't know. Okay, but, but anyway. You get two of them who are focused around artifacts, which is really super sweet. Um, There's some other ones that are like, obviously, previously mentioned Rock Rack. Um, Previous guest on the show, Gabe, with his Togo Goblin Weaponsmith deck, along with everything else. Um, Shout out to Zynum, who plays Galanra, Caller of Wirewood. And the other day, we were having a sort of face-to-face off between his... um, his Gilanra and Brynlin Sea Monsters deck versus my uh, Runo Stromkirk Sea Monsters deck. I got slapped. Oh. Uh, it was a hard time. Dealing with Brynlin as the commander while you have access to green is actually super difficult to like work around and get rid of. And uh, uh, when I tried using my own Brynlin as part of the 99, I uh, could not keep up. It was not the same. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like there's a lot of like interesting power here in these cards and it's just a matter of mixing and matching them to your heart's content to suit your needs and um they've been super fun to see people like play like i think um what are some of the fun fun combinations i've seen i've seen keleth sunmain familiar along with kedis emberclaw familiar as this sort of like low cost boros beat stack that hits everyone simultaneously and it's super fun to see a kedis get like souped up and like smack people 
I've got a desire to see a Rebek and uh, who is it? Who's the blue one? Rebek and I think that's how you say it. The the six drop. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Power stones. Yeah. Where you get uh, protect your artifacts get protection for each CMC among artifacts you control from her, and then he gives you the ability to uh, scry and draw. That well, do you scry? You put the rest on the bottom of your grave. Oh, you put you them into your look- graveyard. You look, you put one into your hand and put the rest into your graveyard. Wow. That's strong. That's, I didn't realize them into the graveyard. That has so much room for, for doing something. It's, it's, it's quite beautiful. I've seen people do, um, there's stuff like that where it's just like, you know, how come it hasn't been done? That sounds like a really interesting, like possibly like control, like graveyard, like blue, white graveyard artifact kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Ghost of Ramirez did Pietro with Malcolm Keen-Eyed <laughs> Navigator as like the mono blue pirates deck where like uh-huh. you have two, three drop evasive creatures that are focused on like, you know, going through going through your deck, making making treasure tokens, all this other stuff. Um, I love seeing Siani Eye of the Storm with any kind of flyers because I love like it's a bit it's another flying payoff card. Uh, classic Helana Kessig Ranger with Elena Kessig Trapper as the dynamic <clears throat> lesbian duo while also doing kill kill your shit and generate a lot of mana. Um, there's a few of these that I'm not a whole big fan of in general. Um, I feel like Prava of the Steel Legion definitely has a place, but I feel like Oh, I'll tell you where Prava of the Steel Legion has a place. I built a list with Prava of the Steel Legion this week. It's Girid Zombies. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Girid. Um... Girid is a five mana, so two Naya. uh, For a two five, when he enters the battlefield, make a Rhino. Girid, right, 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 right. Okay, I had to jog my memory for a second. And the deck runs all of the Naya Eternalize and Embalm creatures. Oh my So you make the God. zombie tokens, and then you populate the zombie tokens, and then Prava's role in the deck is to buff the zombie tokens. Okay. It's not the commander. I take it back. Prava has a place at least in the 99. But um, Arden, Arden Trippet Archaeologist is uh, good in the zone or in, as part of the 99 in any sort of artifact equipment deck and probably i'd consider like one of the strongest cards period i uh have you played the against i I think their username is yuri in multiple of the servers that i'm in they have an arden and i think is it radiant it's an arden and radiant deck i think but a mono white uh voltron no uh, list no i have i don't think i've i've i don't think i've seen their name or played with them at all but okay but yeah like arden like okay so radiant being the seven mana six four we tap another untapped creature control flying and radiant gains protection again another flying payoff thing which i also i always love seeing um oh yeah, i'm sorry it's sounds... a chroma it's Ar- it's Ar- uh, arden and a chroma not radiant oh then a chroma. Well, then that just went from good to great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I mean, more new. More, yes. New a chroma is freaking nuts. That commander of legends is just sweet in general. Um, I feel like I feel like Essior, Essior, mm-hmm. the 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 bird that gives your uh, 
all of your super it gives ward, your other commander yeah it gives your three. commander ward three for two mana like there are some really expensive partner commanders that you want to protect yeah i uh i can't i can't remember his name i think his name is matthew who's also one of the servers he runs an se or arden uh equipment deck and it's just like oh wait mm -hmm. oh yeah I can't, you throw a I can't sword shoot it. throw a sword on the bird oh shit <laughs> okay and then you're off to the, <laughs> the races yeah. i can't kill the bird and i can't oh no <laughs> oh no um yeah it's just i think they should continue this route because i know we're expecting another commander of legends battle of Baldur's gate sometime late next year probably maybe around this time uh in december or maybe november but Having them do more uncommon partners, I think, will be a really sweet, like, way to do another draft thing or whatever, you know, whatever is going to end up happening with it. Um, mm. With, uh, and maybe, you know, try and make some of the rares and mythic ones less busted or, you know, throw in a few other, throw in the rest, throw in um, an extra set of, I think it was the ally color ones that didn't get an extra pair, which I think was what everyone was like. Oh man, this sucks. Give them, give them ally, give them ally pairs. That's all I'm asking for. Um, but yeah, uh, there's, there's, I think there's a lot of things of, of untapped potential in this suite of uncommon partners. Uh, and mm -hmm. maybe I'm not a fan of let's you, say, listener. <laughs> yes, you who's listening right now. Do exactly make a deck. One thing who's thinking it's just weird. Armix and Itch Tekkit. Go build it right now. Armix is a golem. Itch Tekkit cares about golems. Go. Yeah, just fig figure it out. Who knows? I mean, also, black green artifacts, again, like, very much like your trinket deck is just like a bit of an mm -hmm. odd choice. Because you did at least blue, sure, you at least expect blue. But, and maybe white and red, which is kind of, you know, where it is now. But we're, we're having green and black sort of the contributors to this really weird like artifact golem style of, of thing and so definitely uh -huh. definitely worth thinking about um i do know the power of galanra and zynam's pointed this out and he's had he's run galanra for a few decks but also really cool thing about g multiplying galanra's mana generation ability off of let's say a what is the one from theros um the tree uh the next bloom next bloom ancient so when you add triple green off of a galanra and you cast a spell with six or greater you draw three cards off that single spell because it's tied specifically to each mana pip that you're generating which i think is super sweet wow. um dargo the shipwrecker has recently been making some minor waves in cdh and um i talked about it a bit in the cdh episode with Cole the Forge Master, but Dargo seems really interesting in the fact that um, sacrificing any number of artifacts, including ones that might be generating mana, like treasures, will sharply reduce the cost of Dargo to literally just make him a 1 mana 7-5. And honestly, a 1 mana 7-5 as a swinger, or perhaps as a different kind of resource. With Trample. With Trample, really sweet. So definitely, you know... Um, Alternatively, you could pay 1 mana... To cast Dargo the Shipwrecker and then crunch him to a, what's it called? A greater good. Have fun with that. Have fun with that. Also pretty relevant. Um, some of the ones that I've kind of like, 
I always want to see a Falthus Shadowcat familiar where your commanders have Death Touch and Menace. Oh, I love that. I want I want Death Touch Menace to be like a tribal thing that works and well. You, and you know what? There is a red. There's some. There's um the Bonders. Mm-hmm. The Bonders from Ikoria. The Bonders. The, there's Labyrinth Raptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a handful of things that care about your creatures having Death Touch, and I think uh, anytime you had a Blood Blight Blighthood Blightfang shit. Uh, the worm, the worm, the snake. Which one is this? Ah. Hold on. Uh, damn it. Hold on. Let me look it up. We're doing it live. Hooded blight fang. I had it all flipped around here. Anything <laughs> that enables death touch to have a light, like a life loss payoff. And then whenever death touch creature deals combat damage to a planeswalker, just straight. No, sorry. Not even combat damage. Just deals damage to a planeswalker. See, if something that pings with Death Touch, the Planeswalker's dead. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's just dead. Yeah. So, and you know what? Planeswalkers are kind of showing up a little bit more here and there in Commander, I found. Um, and so, like, definitely a super sweet payoff. I think Falthus will have a home somewhere. It's just a matter of of someone finding how it works. Um and hey, you know what? I love Tormod the Desecrator because Tormod's I love, so cool. I really love um, desecrated tomb effects, uh, like anything that involves removing a card or a creature card out of the graveyard with a sort of a payoff, um, mm-hmm. and creating an engine that creates separate iterations so you can create multiple bats and zombies and whatever the heck else you want. Big fan of Tormod and uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, shout out to Tago for for throwing rocks and throwing rocks, doing some work. So yeah, there's I think there's a lot of cool um, there's a lot of cool things that I think are still left untapped and and we're waiting to be explored in future sets, uh, especially for supplemental sets. And uh, yeah, not much else to say. Not much else to say about that. I think uh, just you know, explore explore deck creation at uh you know at your own pace because i feel like there's some really hidden a lot of good hidden goodies uh try try slurk and alaru solemn ritualist that seems neat plus one counters slimes and death triggers triggers make spirits yeah there's yeah there's something there uh um, i don't know i think i think i've tapped out the majority of uh what i have to say on these topics yeah, I'd not, probably keep going. Yeah, but. well, not, I, I think at least for this, we'll put it to rest. We're coming up an hour, and uh, for most people, that's they've either tapped out already or they're just about <laughs> to. Um, well, thanks for coming on, chatting about your. Oh, thanks for your, having me so much. Trinket Tribal's really cool. Uh, I'll put that link to the deck in the. Uh, in the episode description, I'd encourage everyone to take a look at it because it seems really fun, and you get to put uh, Elois, uh, Guillaume, Lanis together in one deck, and you kind of just have Sultai good stuff with a with a with a good side serving of of treasures and food. So I think probably that, take out Thran Temporal Gateway if you replicate this deck. It's not very great in practice. Yeah, not not entirely. Whatever. That's just a minor criticism. That seems alright. <laughs> Um, it's not in the deck anymore, that's for sure. But yeah, top it off here. Uh, where can people find you again? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter primarily. Uh, for game design stuff, I'm at Rolling Will Save. And for Magic the Gathering stuff, where I like to talk about Magic the Gathering stuff, uh, you can find me at Forest Soul Ring Go. All right, then. I'll put that in the link as well. And uh, hey, that's it for another episode of Uncommon Commander. Uh, yeah, there's a mythic one here again, but you know what? It doesn't matter as much as the Armix. And, fight uh, me. Fight. <laughs> fight us. And uh, hey, that's it for the episode. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.